Is the United States of America a democracy? At least one political group says no. I'm Garland McWaters, and this is the Spirit of Leading podcast. I've loved politics ever since I was a young teenager. I turned 13 in 1961. That was President Kennedy's first year as president. And since then, I've watched every political convention, both Republican and Democrat, gavel to gavel. Political leaders were among my idols mostly because of their larger-than-life personalities. And what I saw was that they, the politicians, they were the group who got things done. Or, in some cases, they were the group who prevented things from getting done. So I got hooked on student government when I was in the ninth grade, and my involvement in student council lasted all through my collegiate years. I also came of age during the Civil Rights Movement, living in segregated Arkansas, where my career Army father had secured a position teaching ROTC at a state university. My adopted hometown had a sizable black population, but we whites never saw much of them. I remember not having much of an opinion one way or another about blacks because they were not real to me. They were out of sight, out of mind. Therefore, their repression by whites did not make an impression on me as any big deal. I was just plain ignorant, other than what I was able to see on television coverage. I was aware of my governor's anti-integration position, and I also was aware of a poll tax assessed in Arkansas, but it did not dawn on me that at that time it was one of the ways that whites suppressed the black vote in the state, because blacks could simply not afford the poll tax, or at least many of them couldn't. With age and awareness, my interest in politics shifted from just the personality idea to policy. I grew up in a conservative, flag-waving, patriotic, military family devoted to conservative Christianity and the best white, lower-middle-class lifestyle that my dad could afford on a sergeant's paycheck. My first hint of a rift between what I grew up learning and what I was beginning to realize came when my dad asked me what I thought I might want to do with my life, and I proudly announced, and without hesitation, I want to be a lawyer. In my mind, that was the gateway to a political career, since many of the politicians that I admired were also lawyers. My dad's reaction was equally without hesitation. No way. Lawyers are crooks because they represent criminals, and you can't be a Christian and a lawyer at the same time. (laughs) Those were pretty much his words as I remembered them. So eventually I set sail on a career path in a boat without a rudder. Eventually I did receive a Bachelor of Arts degree in Bible from a conservative Christian university and embarked on the vocation of my dad's preference for me, preacher. But I didn't feel right in my skin because my soul yearned for a greater calling, to become more like the Jesus I read about in the Gospels and not like the Jesus portrayed by traditional Christian theomythology. And that decision put me on a road less traveled, where I've enjoyed many experiences, 
that have shaped my current philosophy of life, that every individual person without exception as a child of God has equal worth and value and is endowed with the same unalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness upon which the United States of America was founded. So what does all this have to do with whether the United States is a democracy? Well, my egalitarian belief in democracy is right up there with my unshakable belief that God is love. The phrase, we the people, is as sacred to me as God is love. The gospel story says that Jesus claims he came to save us from sin. Well, sin as understood in that time, was simply falling short of the ideal from missing the intended target of a closer relationship with God that was actually being blocked by the self-serving religious leaders and institutions that they controlled for their personal benefit. And that was the rub between Jesus and the ruling Jews. That's what got him killed. Likewise, I take it as my sacred work to stand for we, the people who desire to protect and enlarge our democracy so that the institutions of our democracy serve we, the people, and not those who have entrenched themselves to control the institutions for their own benefit. Jesus said that we know the tree by its fruit. And there's a movement in the United States that has taken stand against we, the people. Let me read from one of their statements of philosophy. It's on the website, and I'll post that link for you on the posting of this uh, commentary. Here's what it says. The contemporary efforts to weaken our Republican customs and institutions in the name of greater equality thus runs against the efforts by America's founders to defend our country from the potential excesses of Democratic majorities. The careful balance produced by our mixed republic is threatened by an egalitarianism that undermines the social, familial, religious, and economic distinctions and inequalities that undergird our political liberty. Preserving the republican freedoms we cherish requires tempering egalitarian zeal and moderating the hope for a perfectly just democracy. Straight from the website of the Heritage Foundation, in an article offered by Bernard Dobsky, Ph.D., as an explanation of why America is not and should not be a democracy. Friends, the hope of a perfectly just democracy is one hope that I shall never moderate or give up on. Our Constitution is premised on the quest for a more perfect union, not one that simply protects the values of an educated, affluent, or ruling class, no matter how they try to explain it. We, the people, includes everyone everyone, the rich and the poor, the educated and the uneducated, people of all walks of life, all colors, all creeds, all faiths, everyone, without 
exception. Just as the Apostle Paul wrote in the New Testament Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28, if you're interested, when the Jews wanted to close the door on non-Jews to citizenship in the kingdom of God, he said, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That was his philosophy. Another way to say it is the practices of the racial purity valued by the Jews of olden days no longer applied in the new world. Even in a constitutional federal republic arrangement between the states that made them the United States of America, we understand that the compromises made by the Founding Fathers were to appease the desires of those who would repress and profit from others in their world at the time so that they would agree to the bold first steps of a fledging nation. But it's a new day. We the people elect those who will represent us in our various levels of government right up to our national congressmen and women and senators. In today's modern technology, we even have the benefit of national public opinion polls that give us a close sense of how the public wants policy to go. We live in a democracy where people have say. The popular vote of the U.S. president is the closest thing we have to a national referendum, something that we all vote on from border to border and sea to shining sea. But our Constitution sometimes prevents the will of the people from being guaranteed by the machinations of an electoral college process that distorts the voice of popular will. Democracy is the great equalizer. One person, one vote, and every vote counts exactly the same. I take gratification in knowing that my vote counts the same as the richest man in the world. That the votes of the bottom 1% count exactly the same as the votes of the top 1%. What will save America and our way of life that seeks this liberty and justice for all is actually a vibrant democracy that works for everyone, even of various political parties. And for that to happen, the more inclusive and the more democratic, the better. I'll have a lot more to say about this in future podcasts, but for now, that's it for this installment of The Spirit of Leading. I want to thank you for listening. I also encourage you to recognize and appreciate anyone who demonstrates the spirit of leading at work and in the community. When you join the Empowered, you'll get a notification of my latest podcast or the latest post in my weekly Empowering Thoughts series. So please share this podcast with your friends and colleagues. And until next time, I urge you to live empowered each and every day and unleash your creative energy. Encourage the spirit, enliven the heart, enlighten the mind, and enlarge the expectations of living in yourself and in others. I'm Garland McWaters. <laughs>